Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings, cartoon connoisseurs, and welcome to the Animation Conversation, where we explore the art form from pencils to pixels. And now, here are your hosts, Rusty Shackleford and F. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Animation Conversation. I'm Rusty, and we're here with our co-host. Hey, uh, what's up, party people? It's your old pal, F. There we go. <laughs> so, F, uh, today we have uh, somebody who has worked on different comics, but is also a part of your intern program. So I think this is our first intern uh somebody somebody from your 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 studio's intern program so uh here we go this is awesome everybody uh welcome sophie to the podcast hello <laughs> hey sophie for having me on. uh thank you for coming now do you want to give out your your twitter info in case people want to you know look you up and see what you get the get the quick version of what you're about to... sure um my name is sophie scruggs that's s-o-p-h-i-e a-S-C-R-U-G-G-S, if you want to look me up on Twitter, Sophie A. Scruggs. Um, if, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know, I, my Instagram's the same handle, so. It's, um, one, what's, what's, um, what's interesting is if you, if you go to Sophie's uh, page right out of the gate is you're going to see lots of beautiful, uh, like, Neopets illustrations and, I think I might have spotted some pony stuff there. Honestly, like... honestly, F, it was the Neopets that stood out to me because as a uh, young internet adopter in the early 2000s, uh, Neopets, like every you, if, if it was like Pokemon for the kids who had internet, if you weren't playing yeah. Neopets, you weren't cool. You know what I mean? Everybody was on it uh, when I was, when I was growing up. So. Now, now see, that's. <laughs> That's crazy to me because um, I remember when it started, like one of my very first students at CalArts, she graduated CalArts. Her name is Heather Chavez and she's a she's a big deal now. She does tons of like illustration and design stuff for Disney. And but her, one of her first like professional jobs was, was at this place called Neopets. And I remember thinking, <laughs> what, what is this? And she described it to me very roughly the same way you did. And I was just like, oh, that'll never last. And now here we are like 20 years later and it's still going. So Sophie, yeah. you can tell us a little bit about what you do there. How did you get started there? What's, you know. Sure. So um, I started playing Neopets when I was like 10 years old in 2003. Uh, it was, you know, the real hot thing at the time. And um, never did I guess that, you know, all these years later, I would end up working for them. Um, a couple of years ago, they approached me and 
they needed help for their merch merchandise design for their Christmas uh, line coming up. And I was just like, yes, <laughs> say less, please. I would love to do it. Um, <laughs> and so I did that. And uh, then earlier this year, um, this is no longer a secret now. They're relaunching their trading card uh, like game this year at San Diego Comic-Con. And um, yeah, which I thought was huge. Oh. And I got to design 12 of the trading cards for them. And um, I'm really excited to see them in trading card form. But uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. been a huge, ex like such a wonderful experience. Um, I wish I could go back and tell little kid Sophie like, hey, you're going to be working on this one day, you know. Um, yeah, I got hugely into it because it, I wasn't allowed to play Pokemon or read Harry Potter and stuff like that. My parents were, you know, really strict with stuff like that. For some reason, Neopets uh, flew under the radar. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. It's it's funny too because no matter no matter how much you might work on a a franchise that's you know a big big deal, um, it, it, when when you get to do something that you can actually hold in your hands, yeah. there's, there's a, that's sort of a whole new level thing. Yeah, like I re I remember when um, uh, when they started making Wild Thornberries merchandise, uh, they took a bunch of the the just sketches that I did when I first got hired on the show that was mm -hmm. just doing practice sketches and they wound up using them in the character guides. And then the character oh. guides became the clip art booklet. And so right. years later when the toys came out, I would look on the box and I Your saw my drawings and that was a bigger thrill for me than seeing my name in the credits at the end of Paul Dorothy because I could hold it in my hands. Yeah. Tangible. It's always better tired. when it's tangible. Yeah, I'm I'm never going to get tired of being able to hold my art physically. So I yeah. I get that totally. <laughs> well, and not just hold it, but know that there are people out there yeah. walking around with it. And especially mm. kids and just knowing that it's making them happy and stuff like that. Now you yeah. talked about if you were to go back in time and talk to a younger you, what at what age did you start sort of drawing and saying to yourself, this is what I want to do? Um, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, have it a little bit older, but, um, I was drawing from like a super young age mostly. And I think this is a little bit because, um, I have cerebral palsy. I'm paralyzed on my left side. So mm -hmm. it took me longer to walk. I didn't really play with other kids. Um, I would just go home and, and draw or stay at my grandparents and draw. One of my earliest memories is like watching Lion King on VHS, uh, you know, over and over and over to the point that my grandparents were just sick of it, but they were good sports and just trying to like draw what I saw <laughs> on the television. And um, I, I would, you know, go out and recess at school and take little booklets that would come with like computer games and they would be tutorial booklets, but they would have a lot of the character art in the, in the tutorial booklets. And I would try to recreate the drawings that I was seeing. So um I don't think I knew specifically what jobs there were for art yet, but I remember telling people, you know, I want to draw when I grow up. I I want to I want to do the, like the movies that I was seeing, basically. So right now, um, like, how old would you say you were when when you when all this was going on? You 
I know you mentioned it earlier, but when when you first saw Neopets. Oh, when I was Neopets, I was like nine or ten. So, yeah. Um, but I remember like taking those booklets as early as like second grade. So that would have been seven, maybe. Now I'm I'm kind of interested here too because you know and, and boy people love it when I uh, when I nitpick and uh, draw um, irritatingly detailed distinctions but there is a difference between drawing and illustrating right can you talk about that a little bit um, well I feel like um, you know drawing can be sort of anything from a little doodle you know I feel like that's almost um, it can be anything that you want illustrating. I feel like you have to kind of come in with a concept, um, decide what story that you're telling with the piece that you're making. Um, you know, I do cover art now and I always try to think about the story of, of the comic that I'm going to be trying to illustrate in one image that people will see and on the stands and be like, Hmm, is this interesting for me to pick up? And so I try to think about, uh, you know, the overall flow of the image and what story it tells, um, you know, what type of uh, art styles am I going to be mimicking? Um, I love I love looking at like old posters, like old band posters and concert posters and kind of use that as inspiration as well. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting when you think about it, especially as it pertains to comics you know the cover art uh is is not merely just art that you put on the cover it is it's right. a thing that is meant to make a literally a passerby you know look at it and go oh i want to know more mm -hmm. who who oh, now absolutely. when you do stuff, when you do stuff like that like i mean do you come up with the composition do they give you here are your parameters here's what you have to work in here's what we want this to convey or do they do they let you sort of riff it first and then you know give you notes or how do, how does all that work because i'm i'm a i'm a like a serviceable illustrator at best i am not a good illustrator <laughs> so help so, me out here. usually what happens is my editor will send me um an overview of what the issue is supposed to be about um they may or may not have the script already sometimes i'll get the script as well and from there i'll send uh one or two thumbnails just very rough sketches of what it'll look like um and they'll say you know move forward with this one uh we like this but hasbro doesn't want you to do, to add this part so change that and sometimes it will be the most random things that you have no idea why but you're like okay right um so I kind of have a little bit of free reign in the way that I make the cover look most of the time. Um, this most recent one that came out, which was uh, a My Little Pony special called Bridal Woodstock, which is a music festival. I wanted it to look like um, a vintage concert poster, but uh, it was a tie-in to a Netflix movie special. So they were having... <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, they gave me like the whole book or whatever that they had for the animators as well, so I could see what the characters looked like. And um, it was about a month back and forth of what characters could go on the cover, what couldn't go on the cover, things like that. So sometimes you get like kind of, you know, anything goes. Other times, you know, this character has to be here. Don't put this character in because it's a spoiler, that kind of a thing. So. 
Um, now, I, I know that um, on, the, on the rare occasions that I've um, that I've had to do similar similar stuff like that. Um, as you said, they'll they'll be like, "Don't let this character be doing this." Like, do do they give you literally like a a book of like, "Here are all the rules." No, I know Neopets has one, and I have seen the inside of it. Uh, some some because I've accidentally broken the rules that they didn't know. <laughs> you know, they didn't tell me about until I saw the book. Um, with uh, My Little Pony, they don't. I mostly work one-on-one with the IDW editor, but sometimes I will draw something and she'll be like, I've got to ask Hasbro if that's okay. Mm. Um, One thing in particular I remember is there was a baking competition uh, issue, and I had all of the ponies from Generation 5, which is the current generation, um, making and icing cookies that were made to look like the characters in G4. Oh, boy. Yeah, and uh, I just thought it would be a fun nod for, like, the older fans, you know. And they were like, we like this idea, but I don't know if Hasbro will like G4 being acknowledged in G5. And I was like, okay, you know, just let me know. And hmm. um, I, because I'm doing it all on Photoshop, I went ahead and finished everything but the cookies. And then I was like, well, I'm going to go and finish the cookies for myself. If they don't yeah. like it, I'll switch I'll switch out the what they're making. Right. Um, because they took like a month to get back to me, and thankfully they said yes. So, oh, oh that's awesome! Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. that's great. I, I just think that's the kind of story that My Little Pony fans are going to appreciate. You know that that the person creating yeah. this stuff uh, has has a, a love for the lore and the history. Yeah, I I definitely do. Um, I started uh, drawing and actually like hand sewing My Little Pony toys when I was a senior in high school. Because wow. I was very burnt out. Um, I was one of those kids that had like a four point whatever GPA. And I hit um, 12th grade. And I was like, wow, I do not care about this anymore. I need <laughs> something else to do. <laughs> and so I took a sewing class. And um, I realized I really liked sewing, actually. And at the time, there was like no good My Little Pony merch on the market. And um, that was kind of how I got my start as like a My Little Pony artist was I would go on DeviantArt and so and uh, sell these handmade plush toys that people would uh, buy from me. And then it sort of somehow over the past 11 years has kind of gone away from plush making into doing official cover art, which is <laughs> crazy to me. <laughs> Now, do you have a formal art training or? Um, so I took AP art classes when I was in high school. Um, I originally was going to go to an art college that shall not be named. Um, they basically told me that I had a full ride and they waited until it was like way too late to apply to any other college and told me then that they no longer did stacking scholarships. No. which is what i was what i was personally using to go to this school uh, to, i had i actually was um qualified to graduate early from high school i stayed an extra the full year of 12th grade to get all these stacked scholarships and um then they told me february of my senior year that they no longer stacked scholarships that i could take the biggest one and that was it so um i didn't know what to do Obviously, I wasn't going to go oh. to this school and get, um, you know, super in debt because that was not my intention to begin with. I didn't have that money. 
Um, so I went yeah. to, uh, I skipped a semester after, after, um, high school because I didn't know what to do. And, uh, my dad just by sheer chance had a job interview at, um, Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he didn't get the job, but I found out that they had a really great gaming program. It was actually the first, like, accredited game design program in, in the country. Apparently, like, Bill Gates had furnished the computers and stuff like that there. And um, I was like, well, I'm not interested in gaming, but a lot of the same programs and a lot of the same, you know, concepts are in a game degree as what I want to learn. So... Mm -hmm. I went there and, you know, I, I learned all the stuff about Photoshop and still like character design, um, how to tell a good story. I mean, it, it's all very, very parallel, very lateral to what animation is. So I still felt like I learned a lot, even if it wasn't, um, you know, what you would consider a traditional uh, education for this. Wow. Pull, pulling that and and making you stay in 12th grade when you didn't actually have to that's um yeah. I, think that, I think that qualifies as a hate crime you really you should yeah. <laughs> there should like have been somebody crime. there should have been somebody you could have sued for that or something that's insane that is like of extreme disjustice for sure i actually <laughs> found out that this school has done that to several people. And um, I don't have like, I don't have the stuff on it now. So I don't know if I could be part of it, but I saw a couple of years ago, people um, that have gone to that school talking about a class action lawsuit because of this very situation. <laughs> so wow. I'm not alone. <laughs> when, when you talk about, you know, ways that you could torture a person, having them stay in high school longer than necessary. Yeah that would go above waterboarding you know that would go above having your fingernails pulled out you know that are are you kidding me i know oh. i did so much for that for those scholarships i was like president of the national art honor society i oh. entered all these contests i had art that was in the met for a little bit but and like all of this was supposed to be specific scholarships and none of it none of it led to anything <laughs> Now, now, see, actually, I ha I do have, I can relate because, it, except it's not as bad because it was college, but when I was, uh -huh. attending, when, when I got into my university, Western Michigan University, and I don't mind saying their name, because uh -huh. um, I still resent them for this. Um, when I went in, my grades were so good that they were like, okay, uh, you know, you're, you're going for an art major. Uh, you have to pick a minor, and apart from the classes that are required for those two things, you have tested out of everything else. You are not required uh -huh. to do anything except for the things that lead to your degree. Right. Like, well, this is awesome. So I I took on an art major with an English minor with a focus on journalism, and so I took all this stuff and did great in everything. And after about four years and earning a whole bunch of points in in everything towards my uh, you know towards my bachelor's. Mm -hmm. I went I, I went to go see my counselor for the first time, you know, in four years, probably. And uh, the counselor was like, well, you haven't taken any math or science or social studies or anything like that. I'm like, I tested out of all that stuff. And he's like, oh, we changed that last year. How and are I'm, you supposed to know that? So it didn't 
occur to you guys that maybe I might want to hear about this information. And so I wound up, you know, college for me wound up being a, a like seven year deal because I had to like, I said, and at this point, I, at this point it was fine because I was actually, I was enjoying myself so much doing comics for the college newspaper. And I was, right. that I was just like, you know what, screw it. I'm, I'm going to take these classes, but then I'm also going to take a whole bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with nothing. Like I'm going to take acting and I'm going to take fencing and I'm going to take, you know, I'm just going to take all okay. this kooky stuff. And so I just decided if I'm going to be here longer anyway, I'm going to learn a little bit about everything. So you're going to be extremely well-rounded. Yep. And, and consequently now what, what was surprising about that is, and I encourage, you know, anyone who wants to get into animation um, or really any kind of storytelling um, to to do stuff like this and to do stuff that is outside of your wheelhouse, you know, like mm -hmm. acting and improv and public speaking and even television production, you know, all these yeah. things. Taking journalism was the best thing I ever did in terms of becoming a good storyteller because it teaches you to be an incredibly concise storyteller. Yeah. But anyway, let's let's abandon how resentful we are towards school. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, is is it is it just Sophie and me or I mean Rusty did your did your school ever do anything like this to you uh actually no I actually did something to my school uh I uh <laughs> I, I dug up dinosaur bones where I wasn't supposed to in uh, community college and almost ended up with a uh, first degree felony theft uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, actually, uh, the, the college I went to was actually pretty outstanding. It's one of the best community colleges in the United States. It's like a top, like 10, 15 community college. Now, now see what's, what's funny about Sophie's story. And I feel like I, I am hearing more and more stories like this, which I, I think is encouraging and wonderful is that, you know, you've got all these people scrambling to get into places like Sheridan and CalArts and, you know, RISD yeah. and, and all these, um, you know, top-notch schools, which by the way, hooray for those schools. I taught at mm -hmm. CalArts, um, Laguna College of Art and Design, by the way, if you're in California, that's a great school. Um, San Jose State University is a school that I taught at for a while. They have a great animation program. I got nothing against the big, you know, the big guys. Right. That, that being said, I didn't go to any of those schools. You know, I went to my just regular little small town university and you went to a community college and you just, right. what, what more often than not, what gets you, what gets your foot in the door is your own work and your own. Yeah. A hundred percent. I tell, I tell kids this, I've started doing, um, a panel at these my little polling conventions that i'm at i'm at like a practically one every month at this point wow and uh i know most people don't realize there's that many but there are oh, i know no, no yeah and um uh, sorry go i ahead. started trying to do like sort of an educational panel um because there's so many young kids that come up to me and they're like how did you start doing this you know I, or i want to sell my art how do i do it and so I do sort of a joint panel of um, teaching younger kids like what it takes to be an artist alley and sell your art, which can start from literally like drawing your own things. Like you don't have to have a lot of money to do that. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then I also talk about uh, sort of what led me to, to doing my art professionally. And I show them, I actually go through and show them my portfolio and kind of what I wish I had known before and stuff like that. 
but um what was the question again i totally lost it me too uh, I, uh but because now i'm now i'm interested to in know because because i know the my little pony universe out there and and the my little pony community of of fans is a is a very as i think i said earlier an, an emphatic um group of are you famous in that community like are you uh, you they're so huge you could probably get elected to office if you really wanted to oh god oh god uh i guess it depends on who you ask famous infamous i don't know i i, I hear things about myself that i didn't know about myself from uh, third <laughs> parties at this point i'm just like oh okay i didn't know i didn't know that um but yeah, I guess it's gotten to the point where I hear random things about myself that are not true or true from from people. So uh, I have enough of a following that it scares me a little bit sometimes. <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand. Um, I I have a lot of respect for people that are like showrunners or people that have like a hundred thousand followers online and manage to like not lose it because I I can barely deal with the amount that I that I have. And I mean that in no mean way, because like I'm really thankful for the support that I've gotten, but I also have a very I'm an introverted person, so like dealing with huge amounts of people uh is intimidating. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I know. Um it's uh I, I I'm a I'm a textbook introvert as well, which people are always surprised to hear me say because of course, you know, you can tell just by listening to me, I love to talk. But see, right. this this kind of thing is perfectly comfortable to me. I could I could do this all day long and be fine. But if you right. put me in an elevator with two other people, um, oh yeah, I need, that's how I need, <laughs> I need a nap afterwards because I'm so stressed. Um, I was yeah. having to I was having to explain this to Rusty earlier that I'm that I'm a little crazy. Um, getting back to My Little Pony though, I can't help but be fascinated oh. by this. Because I mean, for one thing, one of my one of my very good friends that I still have from you know the olden days in the in the animation industry is none other than Rob Renzetti, and and I yeah, you know, uh, my it was um, my my daughter has actually sort of traversed the My Little Pony sort of phase of her life. She still likes him a lot, and she's still got like right. the toys and stuff like that, but. You know, it used to be every morning she it would be like let's watch the My Little Pony, and now oh. she, now now she's playing uh, Minecraft and stuff. Yeah, but um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've I I I like to think that even though I never worked on the show, I I like to think that I'm a friend of the show just because I'm yeah I'm, I'm buddies with Rob. Um, you know, tell just tell me more about that community and 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 how they are towards you and do, like you have. Correct me if I'm wrong. You you do a lot of cover art for the comics and stuff like that. Have you met, have you met people who have worked on the animated shows? Have you interacted with any right. of Because it's a whole. I actually universe. have a. I actually have a book over there that I have accrued autographs from like basically everyone that's worked on the show over the last 10 years it just became a thing of you know i would go to these conventions and it sort of became a oh you know you came by my table or i got to go off and get your autograph let's add you to the book sort of a thing so i've got this book that has just everybody in it at this point um which is you know it's sort of a scrapbook for me too because i see that and i'm like oh wow this is my art from you know, five, six, seven years ago that I got signed. And it's hard to look at now, but it's also a fun <laughs> memory, you know. Um, I, the, yeah. 
the My Little Pony community, I mean, just like any other community there, uh, I feel like uh, the fringe people are what get the most attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they kind of get a little bit of a bad rap because when I uh, see them in person, a lot of them are very sweet, kind people. A lot of them are very obviously like on the autism spectrum, and I think uh, sometimes the way they come across online or the way people will see them as childish online um they automatically just assume they're like man children in in basements or whatever when in reality like they have you know these super high paying tech jobs and this is just the thing that brings them peace or happiness or community you know um so it's it's got a little bit of everything in there sometimes about one person every convention will leave me with a crazy story that i'll come home and be like hey you know listen to this crazy thing that happened but i mean that's like one person out of you know hundreds that i've met right weekend it's kind of funny i mean i i stayed away and you know what that's kind of what i suspected would probably be the be the case because right i stayed away from twitter and and discord and all of you know social media in general for a long time because of that sort of that that misconception that oh this is what the fans are going to be like and it wasn't right. until we got on um uh the the uh my life as a teenage robot uh discord server hi guys <laughs> um, but I, that I, that I was like, oh my gosh, what, you know, these people are so nice and they're so respectful. And that was the thing that really surprised me was not just nice, but just very, very respectful and very like, yeah. and, and that's what led me to get on Twitter. And that's what led me to, you know, do this, that, and the other. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I think you're right in that. I think that, you know, you hear about, um, a lot of people in, fandoms which is not even a term i particularly care for but mm-hmm. um, because it, it just it separates people and blah 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 like right. i love i love star wars practically more than anybody i know but i'm not part of some little group um yeah. where you know like i'm not partisan you know I'll, yeah. I'll i'll watch star trek too and it's just fine but the point is i i think the these fan bases and these groups of fans are are actually you know most of them and and Plus, since then, I've come to know a lot of invaders, Zim fans and Fairly Odd Parents fans. And 99.9% of my Twitter, Instagram, and Discord interactions with fandoms is wonderful. Yeah, same here. Same here. So, now, you know. Now, do you, do you go to, when you go to conventions, in, in addition to panels, do you do autographs? Do you like. Um, I don't like do autographs in that I have a specific, you know, time slot or anything, but sometimes people will bring covers that they want signed and things like that, which I I never get tired of that. It's it's like, you know, wow, I can't yeah. believe like are you sure you want me to mess up the front <laughs> you know <laughs> this comic? But it, it means it means a whole lot. Um most recently the one I was talking about, Bridal Woodstock. Um, because it was a music festival, uh, I did a couple things that my dad would really like. My, my whole dad's side of the family is, um, huge into bluegrass. I don't know if you know who Earl Scruggs is. Um, oh, yeah. That, okay. That was my, my, um, grandfather's cousin. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, I purposefully, like, in the borders of the comic, um, I drew the Gibson Earl Scruggs uh, like model banjo 
and then on the other side I did uh, the Lester Flat guitar and um, it's one of those things that's like if you know you know but most people will just think oh it's a music festival cover that's why she picked that but um, my dad was just like over the moon with that and he was like oh my god okay you gotta save me 15 covers because I've got to give everybody you know <laughs> one now and I've got you know these older people in my family going to a comic book shop for the first <laughs> time and who knows how long you know looking for this cover because they just want it because of the Earl Scruggs tie-in <laughs> funny now that that actually uh begs a question when it came to your um uh, your proclivities towards towards drawing and towards you know doing this as a career and stuff. What you know were your parents encouraging? Were they like what what was the situation there? Uh, they were always encouraging of my art. Thankfully, I know a lot of people don't have that experience, um, but they've always been very encouraging of that. My uh, dad, you know, was. Um, professional banjo player for years so like it's not the same thing but it's similar and uh he definitely has respect for it um and well, I, I, I tell your dad i love me some banjo yeah yeah well, I, I love i love banjo too i actually uh steve martin was born in the town that, that i'm sitting in right now so uh, oh that's cool uh, yeah waco so that's where that. steve martin was born yeah he was actually born here he didn't live here for any length of time his dad moved out west pretty quickly but uh yeah he's originally from waco after after uh this thing you should look up on youtube um steve martin and earl scruggs do foggy mountain breakdown it's like a, a oh, live recording out. yeah yeah definitely. that's that one out. of the things you know i thought it was so um like a, such a dad thing when I was a yeah. kid like uh -huh. I went to bluegrass concerts constantly as a kid I went to, I probably met a bunch of people that would be really cool to say now but like I don't even remember their names because I was just like oh you know one of dad's friends whatever and um now I'm just like you know wow um yeah. but uh yeah if you ever need like really good bluegrass um banjo playing for a for a production my dad's your good night. I I think for me my my gateway drug into uh loving the banjo was Kermit the Frog and that uh, Rainbow Connection yeah. by Dolly. I mean my yeah. goodness that was that Who was... doesn't love Kermit? <laughs> well, and you know and, and yeah that that you know you want to talk about one of the most sort of beautifully poignant openings to any movie like ever and that little banjo just plunking away and um i've um and yeah steve martin well, i there was also a lot of john denver in my house which was mm -hmm. uh, which uh has some has some banjo in it but uh th this sir i know it seems like we're kind of um off topic here but like it's funny when you talk about bluegrass and you talk about banjo and steve martin this this is sort of what i was getting at earlier when i was talking about taking a bunch of different stuff in college when you're yeah. when when you aspire to be a professional artist and i'm hoping you'll back me up on this it's it's important to at least experience or appreciate lots and lots and lots of different yeah things. you can't just focus on one thing and you you hear this we we just had a you know an animation professor on the show who said the same thing when you focus on just one thing like there are lots of people out there who are crazy talented at drawing the my little pony characters but, but you need to be able to have other other talents and other just world knowledge right right if if you yeah. can't even draw a table 
or yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't know what it's like to you know dive off a diving board, or you know, really just anything. I mean, you you right. you are you're crippling yourself from a storytelling perspective. Yeah, um, for sure. One of one of the things I'm really proud of that I did <clears throat> in my life that went counter to absolutely every aspect of my personal personality was I went skydiving. Oh wow. Boy, you go you go oh, wow. skydiving and then you get asked to, you know, draw your superhero character flying through the air and you've got a much better, you know, perspective. You know on. what it looks like. Um <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and again, say like people people will show my little pony drawings and I'll be like, "Well, that's a, those are some great my little ponies." But then you ask them to draw a chair and by golly, they're crippled. Yeah, it's like by the way again, okay, if you draw a background yeah, yeah, if your if your whole thing is that you just want to do fan art and that's all you want to do, you don't want to, you know, and or right. you just want to sell fan art and that's your whole thing. That's that's totally fine. I get that. More power to you. Godspeed. If, if I you wanted it to be a professional job, you need to be able to draw the things that you don't like to draw. Sometimes you need to, you know, do the boring thing and learn perspective. Yeah. You know, be able to draw a building, be able to draw a background because. You know, you can't have a professional job just drawing, like, the head up of a My Little Pony character. You right. know, maybe super well shaded. It may look exactly like the character, but, you know, that's not a cover. You know, that's not right. what it will look like on the TV show. Well, and I, I, I think a lot of um, people who tr who want to transition from, and this this you'll see where this is going, um, who want to transition from doing, you know, this kind of fan style art into animation specifically, say to themselves, well, I, I'm good at drawing characters, therefore I can be a character designer. Right. And they get a rude awakening too, even when you are only asked to draw characters. You know, character design is about 1% designing a character and 99% doing things like turnarounds and geog right. geometric breakdowns uh you know models and expressions and mm -hmm. all this stuff and it gets tedious really fast yeah now have you done anything it's like very that? important um i've made my own personal uh character designs my friend um alex polinski who's a, a voice uh, actor for nickelodeon a few years ago we did a pitch together uh for nick and um basically it was his his idea his writing but i did all the artwork and storyboarding for it um, it didn't go anywhere, you know, as most pitches don't, but um, I learned a lot from it. And that also included, you know, making good character designs. Uh, yeah. I feel like I learned a lot just from having to learn sort of how to streamline a design. You know, if you're going to be having to draw it a million times or animate it a million times, you have to think about, you know, what what should it look like in a way that's not going to kill your animators every right. time they draw it. Well, and that's that's a whole that's a whole other aspect of it too. Yeah, you you don't get to just draw, you know, oh boy, here's this character. I get to draw it and it gets to be any way I want. You have to be able to draw it. It has to be able to, you know, turn around. It has to be able to it has to be capable of expressions. And the yeah. second the second you get into is this CGI, is this hand drawn, you know, your face with a whole and by the way, that's if you're lucky enough. For your first job to be a character designer job because a lot of people have to start out doing things like props yeah you will spend eight hours a day drawing things like a spoon or a pepper grinder or you know a napkin dispenser 
you know, people don't think about these things when they go, I want to get into animation. Right. But I mean, it's I when I explain it to my mom, for example, because she was like, you know, what are you doing? When I told her, you know, I was working on my portfolio, I'm like, well, I'm making props. And she's like, what does that mean? And I was like, well, you know, you've been in a play before, mom. A, a prop manager is somebody that has to kind of like, you know, make the props or make sure the props are in the right scenes and stuff like that. Think of that. But for a cartoon, anytime someone, you know, interacts with an item, if they pick up a book, what does the book look like? What do the pages look like when they open it up? People have to design that, you know. So she was yeah. like, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's important. Which uh, which now brings me um, brings me to the question, you know, you you've you've spent it sounds like the majority of your career doing illustration and doing cover art and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, somewhere along the line you you got the uh, the crazy idea to sign up for my little program that's not yeah. well, <laughs> the other MLP my little program the. Um, <laughs> No, but the, the, as we're calling it, the Fountains Pen Productions Mentorship Program, you, you were one of the first, I mean, I know you were in the first hundred, you might've been even in the first 20 people to. I, I remember sending you a message, like, as soon as I saw the, yeah. the post, so. Yeah, <laughs> and, and now what's, what's interesting about this, and why, one of the reasons I'm excited to talk to you about this is because. Um, you were talking about games earlier. I've tried to get into doing um, game stuff before as well. There's mm-hmm. in cross media platforms, whether it's comics, games, or animation, and whether that animation is CGI or hand drawn, there's a lot of discrimination that comes in the form of, well, this person did comic book covers, they can't possibly do character design. And in my mind, mm-hmm. that's why I've been like, well, wait a minute, why? Yeah. You know? Yes, they are they are two separate art forms, but I don't think that there's that much of a disconnect that if somebody's got, you know, uh something to offer, they you know right. you're you're leaving money on the table, as the saying goes, as far as I'm concerned. And at when, least give them a chance, right? <laughs> right, right. Why not? I mean, and and that's the thing. This person, and when I first saw your profile and saw your work online, I'm like, okay, this person knows how to work professionally, at least. Um, yeah, knows what a deadline good. is knows yeah. knows you know how to take notes and knows how to you know clearly has gone that far so you know um that why not so so what prompted you you know have you have you been wanting to get into animation or is this a newer thing or what's what was your impetus so i definitely wanted to have been wanting to get into animation for a while um i moved like late 2019 early 2020 to LA and you can see the timeline of that was interesting um I ended up uh staying in my my best friend's like guest room for what was supposed to be a couple months ended up being almost a year because of COVID and um (laughs) it just yeah and uh just because of all the studios being shut down um it seemed really hard to like break in uh like remotely for people um I definitely apply to places but I did I usually didn't even really hear back and so I was like I'm not sure if I'm doing it wrong I'm not sure if they're uh even looking at at people that they have not worked with yet which honestly completely understandable because when everything is remote you don't have time to like you know uh take chances on a green person you know like I understand that but it kind of sucked um so I 
sort of pivoted to things that I did know, which was, uh, I don't know if you've seen, I've done enamel pins. I I got really into selling enamel pins and I've hit like my 300th design recently, wow. which I know. Wow. That's a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, um, uh, all your links to this stuff, if you, if you message them to me, I'll add it all in the description. That way everybody can find it real concisely and easily. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so I started selling uh, pins. I have like a pin Patreon club that people are still in every month. And um, about last year, I started uh, really trying to get back into covers. I had done one cover back in 2019, but because of like a family um, medical emergency, I just wasn't able to continue doing that consistently. So I reached back out to IDW and I was like, hey, you know, do you guys still need a My Little Pony cover artist? I would be happy to do it. And I had actually drawn a couple samples to them and they almost immediately got back to me. I think within 30 minutes, they were like, yeah, we do actually. Um, sure. Let me, let me uh, get the assignment. So it was, it was like the easiest, easiest job I've ever, I've ever gotten. <laughs> I was yeah. very thankful for that. Um, well, now that, now that all the COVID nonsense has, um, you know, has started, has, been lifted and things are are kind of back to normal and stuff have you had any better luck you know getting reactions from the studios uh or... right well um right now i've been mostly focused on uh comics just because um they've been treating me really well i'm testing for interior soon and uh you know um a lot of people that i know that are established in animation are having troubles getting a job right now you know, just everything seems to be a mess. So I've sort of been focusing on the things I can control, which are the uh -huh. comics. And um, with with your uh, program, I was just thinking, well, if I'm doing the comics professionally, I can at least get some experience under my belt of animation. And then when things seem to calm down a little bit, which I hope will happen, you know, <laughs> at some point, I'll I'll have both comics and some uh you know stuff from from your program to be able to show people. Well, again, you know it it's one of those things where um there was a period where I was one of the people who would review portfolios for Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's cool. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun, and I and I enjoyed doing it, and and I would. It, it would surprise me um, how you would, you know, you would get someone with a, a really prestigious, you know, animation degree applying, and then you'd get someone who is just kind of an outsider who had maybe done comics or had been doing their own comics or something like that. And, uh, you know, on, on the occasions where I sort of was like, I want to roll the dice and see what this person who hasn't worked in animation can do a lot of times that's a person who will come in with a you know zeal and a hunger that you're just not going to get from someone who's already jaded you know <laughs> yeah yeah I'll, um, I'll take that you know extra percentage worth of oomph over experience any day well i'm glad that you have that mentality um i definitely you know, I hope to be one of those people one day. That's that's the hope. So, you know. <laughs> well the the one the one thing we can guarantee you at Fountains Pen Productions, and I and as I like to say, we could crash and burn at any moment. But <laughs> but at the very least, you know, 
you get experience and that really is that's the thing that everyone always says it's like oh you got to get some experience you got to get some experience and boy right. you know, i i it just seems like there there's there it was a you know just a wasteland of no avenues with which to get experience so right I, unless you're able to just drop fifty thousand dollars a year um and go to you know a huge college which a lot right. of people are not able to do you well know, and for, what what various I, reasons what i found is lots of people have the abilities you know they have the abilities but they they need something to do like yeah you may be a great character designer, but you're, you know, you can't even put together a good portfolio because you need someone to say, here is a list of characters that I want you to do. And there's, a, there exactly. is, a there is a difference between doing characters, doing character designs for characters that you created versus being handed an assignment. Yeah. And being able to take notes and work in a group, which is actually mirroring what it would actually be going on. You know, right, you work on right. a, on a yeah. team. Um, well, that's why I'm kind of hoping we're gonna we're gonna upset the system a little bit with with our. Uh... I would love that. <laughs> well, you know, I one of the things because again, I was an outsider. I didn't have any experience in in animation, and one of the things I noticed about animation when I got into it was just how steeped it is in tradition and legacy, and we do it this way because it's how it's always been done, and it's like but that's not practical anymore. And, you yeah. know, I, I got nothing but reverence for everything that came before me, but my goodness, uh, times have changed. But Yeah. You have to let, you have to let people have a chance. And I hope, you know, um, sort of with uh, the panels that I do in teaching kids, you know, how to sell their art, um, basically tell, showing them exactly the portfolios, um, giving them examples of like cold emails, to send right. to potential um, people to work with, stuff like that. You know, I always try to pull people up with me rather than pulling the ladder up behind me. And I hope, you know, if I'm ever in a situation with animation, I, I want to do it the same exact way because, uh, you know, I, I want people to have a chance that don't necessarily have a chance otherwise. Right. Well, and, and, that's that's exactly it like i said it's like it's a lot it's a lot of times it's the people who feel like they're never going to get that chance that are the most excited and the most enthusiastic exactly now exactly. we got to wrap up here but before we did i wanted to ask you had mentioned that you had pitched a show um with a friend of yours is that another aspiration of yours to to create shows and to um i really love helping someone who has an idea for a world flesh that out um so I may not, I'm not huge on the writing aspect of it necessarily, but I really love being sort of given a bone and going and running with it. Um, yeah. Because once I hear about a character, they sort of, I'm a very mentally visual person. I can see it in my mind and I want to help someone, you know, get it on paper. So. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in an effort to wrap it up, I just want to say thank you, and we appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us for this last hour. Uh, yeah, thank uh, I, you. I, I learned a lot about uh, what it is to do like cover stuff because that's uh, I have a lot. There's a local group of guys who are all artists, and they have just mm -hmm. started within the last two years. They've crowd crowdfunded their own uh, uh, animated, well, not animated, their own uh, comic book universe. Uh, with mm -hmm. their own heroes and their own, you know, their own 
protagonist antagonist and stuff like that so it's real cool to get to see like their process and stuff and then it's and then it's cool to hear about like the professional like the people that are creating stuff right now for professional ips like you know so thank you i appreciate it a lot yeah i learned, I learned yeah. a lot Thank y'all for having me. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think what we need to do sometime in the near future is have you know you and then a handful of uh, of other people that I'm currently tormenting with my uh, with my little program and uh, and have everyone just sort of uh, you know go over what their experiences were. Yeah. Like a round table. I think that would be yeah. really cool. Have a round table episode. Yeah. I know. Um, you know people are from all over the world but there are a lot of people that are in socal maybe sometime we can actually have like a local um meet up you know lunch or dinner or whatever and actually get to see people in person <laughs> you you, know? you kids you kids have fun with that because i <laughs> i'm i am an old man now and it's funny because uh our our two heads of uh production had uh had already you know started talking about yeah we gotta we gotta get everyone together at a convention or something like that and i'm like you kids have fun <laughs> i'm gonna be sitting on my couch watching dateline and you you guys just party on down because uh, i don't blame you <laughs> I, and, and look i've been there i've done that it's a blast godspeed to all of you but uh, i am too old and too tired and that's why frankly you know i've said it before <laughs> My goal is to, you know, get this program on autopilot and then just step away even more. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of people like you and like the other now 150 people we've got, you know, plugging away at it because you're just, you're so full of life and so full of energy. And those are two things that I am run out of. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, thank you for creating a program and thank oh. you for having me on today. It was Yeah, not a problem. Come on again sometime, and I'll uh, yeah, sure. I'll Just tell everyone I'll tell everyone zig zig ah and uh, let uh, Rusty wrap us up. All right, All right. well, uh, that's been another episode of the Animation Conversation. I'm Rusty, and this has been F and Sophie. Thank you so much. And that brings us to the end of another incredible episode of Animation Conversation. We hope you enjoyed this animated adventure as much as we did. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, we would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through good old-fashioned email. We value your input and want to make Animation Conversation a podcast that resonates with animation lovers like you. Our Instagram and Twitter are at Animation Convo. Our YouTube is at Animation Conversation. Our email is theanimationconvo at gmail.com. Before we say our final goodbyes, we want to remind you to stay animated. Keep exploring, appreciating, and sharing the magic of animation with others. Let your imagination soar and let the world of animated wonders continue to inspire and captivate you. Thank you once again for joining us on this incredible journey. Until next time, this is Wubcake, signing off for Animation Conversation. Keep watching, keep dreaming, and keep the animation conversation alive.